Welcome to Greater Finance Daily. We bring you the latest from the ongoing crypto and fintech revolution and I am one of your hosts, Gustav. And here is the other, Alex. Good morning, Alex. Wednesday, it's the 6th of October. How are you feeling? Correct. I am feeling bullish. That's the state of my mind. How about you? Uh, yeah, maybe the same. I'm... Are you feeling bullish because we, we went over 50k in the Bitcoin price? Yeah, the dangerous FOMO feeling is in my body right now. So I have to follow my my rule set, hard-coded rule set. And when I feel bullish, I have to calm down a bit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I, I, I try to not think so much about it. Uh, but it will be interesting to see. Many have talked about that this autumn and especially October, November here will be a fantastic rush for for bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies but uh, i have no clue myself so it will be interesting to follow how, how this develops but uh, i mean uh, we have bitcoin price over 50k and ethereum above 3.4k again um have you, i i know that you have had some look into some on-chain analytics as well alex yeah, we were thinking about starting to talk about some uh, on-chain analytics because what you know is that um, when it comes to Bitcoin, we can actually analyze what happens on-chain and uh, that's what we're going to start doing today. And the first thing we're going to look at is uh, the amount of fees uh, that the Bitcoin network is generating. And because, you know, the fees or maybe you don't know, but anyway, the fees are, is tied to the security of the network. So it's very important that the fees are staying high uh, and especially are trending higher. But that is not the case because the fees right now that we see that is generated to the Bitcoin miners is anywhere between 10 to 20 Bitcoin a day. So the fees are extremely low. If you compare this with the top back in 2018, 2017, 2018 there, I think the fees were somewhere around 1,400 Bitcoin on one day. That's an outlier though. But if we try to, to eyeball on average, it was around like 200 to 100 to 200 uh, Bitcoin at least. But right now we only see 10 to 20 Bitcoin being generated. And what does this indicate? Well, it indicates that... Uh, uh, the popularity of the Bitcoin block to, to get your transaction into a Bitcoin block and add it to the Bitcoin blockchain is not that high right now. And um, if we compare this to, for example, Ethereum, we see that Ethereum block space, and in order to use Ethereum, you see those fees are much higher. And if, if, you are, uh, if you are part of uh, helping uh, with the mining on Ethereum, you earn a lot more money than you do on Bitcoin. But what what was it that was ten to twenty per day today? Is it the fees, the transaction fees? Okay, uh... they are trending around there uh, in these days. But can it have to do with that the price is higher today than it was in twenty eighteen? Or so. Does well, that, that might be one explanation. Yes, uh, another explanation is also that. Uh, uh, usage of block uh, of Bitcoin blocks is not as uh, lucrative right now. As you also know, uh, as we've been talking a lot about in this podcast, is that the DeFi is not happening on Bitcoin right now, but it's rather happening on other uh, blockchains and especially Ethereum. And they have an, another problem there. Um, we, I guess we, we have to talk about that one day as well, the, <laughs> how popular 
the fees or, or how high fees they earn. Yeah. And what, what more have we had a look on? Yeah, so we have another interesting thing, and that is the Lightning Network, which is a scalability solution for the Bitcoin network. And um, we have three di different graphs here we're going to walk through. The first one is the total amount of Bitcoin locked in the Lightning Network, which is around 3,000 right now. And the number of the nodes that is running on top of the Bitcoin net, uh, Lightning Network is around 15,900 right now. And the number of public Lightning Network channels is around 74,000 now. And uh, this trend is the opposite. It's trending upward. So there are more people uh, opening channels, uh, Lightning channels on top of the Bitcoin network, which prove that which can also be said taking away uh, parts of the transaction fee from from the Bitcoin base layer. So mm -hmm. I, I guess um, that's the scaling solution for Bitcoin. And uh, instead of doing the transactions all on-chain, they are moving them up one layer. And of course, this will take away fees from the base layer. Do you have any quick takes here, Gustav? Actually, not really. I think it's interesting to follow uh, Lightning Network uh, development. It's fun to see that things are moving and uh, that the stats, they've been talking about this ever since 2015 when the white paper was released about the Lightning Network. And it finally really takes off. And, and I think the last, the, the recent days with, and the, the recent months with El Salvador, you know, having, they are using the Lightning Network and many other um, applications uh, will use Lightning Network as well because they are on, are in development right now. Hmm. So that was it for the the on-chain anal analytics for this episode. <laughs> cool. Then we have <coughs> we have some uh, hot topics to go through today, and uh, uh, the first one out will be. Bitcoin beats stocks, commodities to become the best performing assets in 2020. Then we have 110 countries are at some stage developing CBDCs. And Axie Infinity developer secures 152 million in a Series B funding round. And then Anyfin, Swedish fintech, raises $52 million. But first out, it's an article at the Cointelegraph um, telling that Bitcoin is on the run to beat stocks commodities to become best performing assets in 2020. Do you have any takes on this one, Alex? Well, for us, and I think you as well, it's basically been a no-brainer after seeing the bear market the last three, four years. We've been too bullish maybe in our own mindset and too selfish but this was uh, something we've been waiting on and now when it finally has happened it doesn't surprise me at all so we see that bitcoin is um 13 uh, ahead of commodities this year and mm -hmm. uh, 70 percent 17 percent ahead of uh, u.s micro cap companies so uh yeah um i don't know gustav i i I was seeing this coming. It sounds very selfish and <laughs> maybe too, too secure on my, my own thinking. Uh, how do you have any takes here? Mm, I had no clue. 
<laughs> in the beginning well the you, you you've been bullish gustav i know i've been talking with you well i i mean it's more of a hope than uh, than uh, than that i know what will happen i never know what will happen true yeah and, and let's be honest we have i think this uh you know uh, all these um cheap money that's flying around we know that there is a, a correlation between cheap money and risky assets and Bitcoin is seen as the most risky assets when you come to traditional finance. And of course, it is the one that is pumping the most when times are good and dumping the hardest when times are bad. So if times are, are turning bad now, maybe Bitcoin will dump the hardest. Who knows? Exactly. And next out, we have um, the IMF managing director says that 110 countries are at some stage uh, of uh, their CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency Development. And uh, she said that, or Kristalina Georgieva said that more than half of all central banks in the world are exploring how to launch digital currencies. And she was speaking at a, uh, speaking at a virtual conference hosted by the Bocconi uh, University uh, yesterday. And uh, yeah, she, she 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 really raised that uh, this will soon be um, a reality when uh, central banks have their own digital currencies. And uh, did you have some take on this one, Alex? Yeah, the CBDC CBDC train keep on rolling. Uh, it's important to highlight though that the Bahamas is the only nation uh, with a sand dollar that is live right now. And uh, I mean, you can argue that the People's Bank of China and, and China is are they are close to roll out their own. I think they have. We had a news about this a month ago or something. They are planning to go live uh, to the Olympics, I think, in 2022. So they are probably live so soon as well. And we know that in Sweden as well, they are working on it. But key here is out of the 110 countries that are. Uh, at some stage of developing their own central bank digital currency, there is only one that is live right now. So uh, lots of hype. Let's see if it can materialize into something, uh, something cool. Yeah. And uh, next out is Axie Infinity Developer secures $152 million in a Series B funding from investors. And this is uh, the developer is the NFT gaming studio Sky Mavis plans to pursue further expansion in the emerging play-to-earn arena. So these are the, 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 the studio behind the development of Axie Infinity and the non-fungible token game has um, great expansion plans here. Have you played the game, Alex? I haven't tried it. Did you? No, but maybe it's time to do it someday. Um, I just looked up some statistics about it, and it seems like January 2020, there were like zero players or very few below 10,000. And it has grown almost every month and is now up to 1.9 million active daily users. And the, over the last uh, 30 days, it was an average monthly players of 23.2 million. So that's a lot. And back in August, uh, they made around $350 million in revenue. And 
in September around 200 million something. So it's some, they've dropped some in revenue, but it's still uh, very impressive by such a, a young, young company or uh, young uh, uh, game. It's not been existing for that long at all. Yeah, here we have exponential growth defined, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we have talked a little bit about play to earn games before, but it's a lot of different um, uh, people from different countries in the world where they cannot earn that much from their daily job that now have switched over to play those games because it is more lucrative than actually working uh, in their own country. So that's really interesting. That's really cool. And to finish this uh, um, episode off, we have one news about Swedish fintech Anything. And it rides the buy now, pay later debt wave with a 52 million capital injection in a new funding round. And for those who don't know, Anything is uh, or were founded by a couple of guys that worked at Klarna for several years. And they uh, jumped out of Klarna and started Anything. And uh, what it does is that it basically let people say or transfer their debt from more expensive um, lenders to their solution. And with some better uh, user experience, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they try to really um, help the customers to get rid of their debts. Do you have any take on this one, Alex? The space is growing. I am uh, curious to see where we are going. I mean, th this is your area, Gustav. I'm going to be honest about that. Buy now, pay later. Um, I know you did a great podcast on the FinTech Podden with your friend, Yuan, uh, which I highly recommend people listening to if you want to learn more about BNPL as well. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, and we also have a, a podcast in FinTech Podden with uh, Michael Hussein, who is the CEO and founder of Anything. So um, definitely check that out. Any final takes, Alex? Well, the final takes from me is the great blog post you wrote yesterday we have on great.finance if you go to the blog section we're gonna link it in this episode as well you have a blog post of web 3 what it is and how it distinguishes itself from web 1 and web 2 so it's good if you read that article you will be ahead and know what's coming and what's being developed right now so you don't want to be late you want to be early exactly like you want to be with crypto you want to be early you don't want to be late so make sure to read that article to stay ahead of the game Exactly. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Let's talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. See you. Bye.